Thank you for listening to the Motion City Church Podcast. Believe your big risk will be rewarded. Believe what you ask for is possible. If you're ready to see a spark in your life, pray boldly, pray daringly, and pray with fire. Today, we're starting a new series called Dangerous Prayers. Let's listen in. Heavenly Father, as hard as this is for me, I'm asking you to search me. Search me, God, and know my heart. God, test my motives. Reveal to me my anxious thoughts. Show me anything in me that offends you. God, I want to see in me what you see in me, so I can become more like Jesus. God, I ask you to search me. Well, once again, good morning. So glad everyone's here. If I haven't gotten the chance, I haven't introduced myself. My name's Steve. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so excited uh, that for the next three weeks as we are diving into a brand new teaching series that we are calling Dangerous Prayers. And, and the reason I'm so excited about this series is because I really believe that what God has in store for us over the next three weeks could really become game changers when it comes to living out our lives of faith if we're followers of Jesus. And then for, for those of us maybe who uh, maybe, uh, maybe we, we know about Jesus but we don't know Jesus, my prayer is that this would become something, this series would become something that draws us into a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and I'm excited because I believe that one of these three messages has the potential to be what I refer to as anchor messages. And what I mean by anchor messages is there's, in, in my life of growing up in church and, and, and in ministry, there's probably about three messages that I remember sitting and hearing and that really, like, permeated my heart and broke through some things, and, and I really do remember them still. Uh, and they had a, a monumental effect on my life and, and the direction of, of my life. And my prayer is that... Um, that one of these messages will become an anchor message that it has the potential, I believe, to change not just something, but everything about the way that we live this life. And, uh, and what we want to do over the next couple of weeks, what I want to have the opportunity to do is I want to empower you with three different prayers that, um, that we find in Scripture that have the ability to, to change us, but in so doing, change the atmosphere around us. And, and because as I was thinking about my prayer life this week, and as I was praying for this, for the, the, the series, for Easter, for what, you know, for summer, we're going to be doing a, a, a great series, uh, just the things that I'm praying for. One of the things that I caught myself doing is I caught myself praying very safe prayers. I don't know if you're like me, but you kind of find yourself, catch yourself saying like some really safe prayers, some really, some prayers that really don't involve faith. I mean, predictable, uh, maybe you're like me and, and, and you, you pray this sort of prayer. God, would you just, would you just be with me? Would, would you just be with me? Thank you, Josh. You got, it's like, just come sit on the couch with me, Jesus. Let's watch the flash. Just be with me. Like that's, that's pretty safe. Or, or, God, would you just would you just protect me? You know, I think it's a necessary prayer, but it, but I mean, really, it's it's a very God, would you protect me? Sometimes I don't feel like God wants us to be protected. Wouldn't that be a crazy prayer? Maybe God doesn't want us to be safe, but we pray God protect us. We pray God bless us. Would you just bless me? I believe he wants to do it. I believe he can do it. But again, and, and here's, here's, here's what I actually caught myself praying this week. And this is embarrassing. I had to write in pen because I missed the notes. Um, God, would you give me a great parking spot? 
Anybody ever pray that prayer before? God, if it is your will, for, this is usually my wife's prayer, but she's not in here, so I'm going to say it. So, God, if it's your will that I go to free people and find that clearance shirt or dress, God, would you just give me a, a parking spot right at the front? And God, even if you give me a parking spot at the back, I'm going to take it as your will. But God, would you just give me a good park? I mean, I found myself praying that prayer at Target this week. God, just give me a good parking spot. I was in Apple Valley. I wanted to get out of there. God, give me a good parking spot so I can get out. And I, and I was going to Target in Apple Valley of all things. It's the purgatory of existence. Um, but I was just like, God, give me a good parking spot. And, and, and what I think that God wants to do in us, what I think that God wants to lead us toward is, is kind of to, to wander off the path of simply just these safe and predictable prayers and really begin to pray what we're going to be looking at as some very dangerous prayers. And over the next three weeks, what we're going to be doing is, is or the next three weeks, today we're going to be looking at a prayer of God, would you search me? Uh, we can put that up as uh, search me. Next week, we're going to be praying an incredibly dangerous prayer um, called and prayers break me, praying that God would break us. And and here's what I know, man. Here's the deal. Like, there is a dependence and an intimacy that exists with God that only comes through the process of God breaking us. I think that sometimes the thing that we need the most is for God to just break us down a little bit. For some of us, break us down completely because then we give him the opportunity to build us back up once again in his intention, with his purpose. And then we we have this dependency and deeper intimacy in our relationship with God that we cannot get any other way except for God breaking us. And and then week three, we're going to be looking at a prayer prayer of of send me. And I believe what I'm praying is, is, is for many people that this would be the, the prayer that, that changes the trajectory and the course of your life. I remember praying uh, a prayer like this with somebody once, a send-me prayer. And I didn't know what it would lead to, but now they are in a part of the world that we can't mention because we're recording, and we can't mention their names because they're in the da- most dangerous of dangerous serving Jesus. And it's incredible. What happens when you pray, when you open up your life to saying, God, here's the deal. I'm going to sign my name at the bottom of this blank contract. And God, wherever you would have me go and whatever you would have me do, I'm in. I'm in. Here's my signature. You have it all. And so, uh, so we're going to be looking at those, those prayers. And I was thinking about how, uh, how could I, I was thinking how I could connect with this. And I remember when I was 16 years old, my parents surprised me. There used to be this music festival in Bushnell, Illinois called Cornerstone. Okay, I'm, pre- I'm preaching to these two guys right here. They are pumped. Um, and I remember going to Cornerstone at 16. It was a, we, we drove uh, from our house in, in, in Highland Park, St. Paul, to, uh, to Bush, and it was just like heaven on earth. It was seven days uh, of, like, punk rock and metal, and it was just, uh, it was rainy and muddy, and it was just everything you look for in a good music festival. And, and I was playing in a band at the time, and, and, and we got to play some pretty impromptu, like, um, someone stole, or borrowed, the Christian word is borrowed, we borrowed, someone borrowed a battery out of someone's car to power a, a, a PA system to do some, some stages uh, in people's campsites, and, and it was pretty fun, so our band got to play a little bit, uh, a couple of shows with that, but we were, w- you know, I was a younger kid playing in a band with, with some college kids, and, and one of the, our friends worked for uh, North Central University, the college I graduated from, he used to have a radio station. And that was simply a university radio station. And, and so my friend Sarah, punk rock Sarah, she, uh, she saw me walking. She goes, hey, I have a plus one for this uh, media pass, these uh, 
this, this uh, radio or interview pass, do you, do you want one? Aren't your 16th birthday? I was like, that'd be awesome. What, 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 is, what, what does this mean? What, I mean, is this just to look cool? And she goes, well, basically it's an all-access pass. I was like, what does that mean? And she goes, you can go backstage at any stage you want. You can get into any interview that any band or any person's do, and you can just go, and, and you can just hang around. And I was like, that's amazing. I will take that. And it was amazing because I got to go sit on stage um, during when a, a bl- this band I love, Blindside, they r- had just released this amazing album called Silence, and they were p- uh, headlining one of the nights on the Silence cycle. And I remember sitting, like just about this far from their guitar player, and just being amazed. And it was like, this is the greatest birthday present ever. Nothing will ever attribute to this. And then my d- my first daughter was born the day after my birthday, and I said, sorry, Taylor, but c- this was actually a b- no, uh, but uh, but <laughs> but no. Um, but it was just an amazing thing. And so what we're doing and what we're going to be doing is with these three prayers is in, in, in our own way, we are giving God an all-access pass to our life. We're giving God an all-access pass to our hearts. And, and so the, the first prayer that we're going to be looking at, and, and again, these are going to be challenging prayers. These are not safe prayers. But the first prayer that we're going to be looking at, if you have a Bible this morning, is, is in Psalm 139. And it's a prayer prayed by King David. And King David, in this moment, what he's, he's facing difficulty, hardship, and persecution from the enemies of Israel and the enemies of God. And what these enemies are doing is they're getting enough people to, to, to speak against King David to get not only the enemies of God, but the people of God to begin to doubt David's motives, to begin to doubt David's intentions, and, and they're claiming that he's not faithful, he's not a fit king, and, and David, in this amazing turn of events, instead of going, well, no, 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 here's the deal, and beginning to do this barrage of defense, because, man, when, when I'm up against a wall, my natural reaction is defensiveness. And instead of doing that, instead of going on the defense, what David does is he begins to position himself in humility, not before people, but before God. And, and Psalm 139 is just an incredible, incredible chapter. I want to encourage you to read it, but we're going to be looking at uh, just two verses. Uh, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, and this is what the Word of God says. This is what David said. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is a dangerous prayer. David is opening up not simply the parts of him that people see to God, but he's opening him, himself up to the part to God, the, the, the places that only God knows. And he begins to invite God in, into, into these places that, that, that's, that's just between him and God and that have nothing really to do with, with his position, with his title. But he says, God, if these are the accusations being brought against me, search me. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. To digest this prayer, we're going to break it apart this morning into four subparts. And what I'm praying is that, again, that this, this would help arm us not to simply acknowledge this as a dangerous prayer, but to be, for us to begin to pray this prayer and make this an active part of our prayer life. And so as David prays, and so, uh, so point number one, uh, digestion point number one is this, if you're taking notes. David says, search my heart. 
Verse 23, the first part says, search me, O God, and, and know my heart. And, and I'm thinking, man, this is David. Like, this guy's got a good heart, right? Like, he's a good man. He's known as a man after God's own heart. David, why on earth would you ask God to search you and know your heart? Well, I think David had a better understanding of himself than I do in 2017. And the reality is David understands that without God, he doesn't have a good heart. And for us in 2017, without Jesus, our hearts are wicked. We live under a gross misconception that our hearts are good. Uh, Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says this, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I mean, it is incredible. When I allow my heart free reign over everything, how quickly and how precisely it moves away from God. See, the amazing thing about it is, that, like, is my heart at its root, that who I am at my root is I'm deceitful, I'm, I'm, I'm untrustworthy, I'm a liar. Anybody else here a liar? Anybody else a liar? All right, everybody look around for those people without their hands up. You're a living example today. Isn't that wonderful? Insure. Yeah, that's not embarrassing at all. Um, but no, but like, like, our hearts are deceptive. And the problem is, we are most consistent at deceiving and lying, not to other people, but to ourselves. Anybody ever said this before? I'm fine. I'm okay. No, I mean, everything is, is, just, is just great. And you know it's not. You know just a little honesty would bring you a lifetime of freedom. One of the things we say around here is that if you're not fine, that's just fine. We're a great place to not be great. It's okay to not be okay here. We, we believe that God wants to meet every single person. And so the, 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 the shroud of this kind of perception of who I need to be doesn't exist here because we understand and we've had an encounter with a God who, who has revolutionized my heart. And has allowed me not to be okay, but the amazing thing is he, as I continue to pursue God, his grace is amazing. And so I don't have to live under this deception. I don't have to live deceiving. I remember, um, so I remember like when I really kind of dove into this verse, uh, I was at a high school camp growing up. Uh, we go to Alexandria for a week for camp, and it was always a great time. And, and and I remember, you know, for me it was about Jesus, but then there were these girls, and so then it was less about Jesus and more about the girls, and, and, and it's just how it was. Um, and, uh, and I remember we had every morning and every night we would kind of have these kind of wrap-up conversations with our counselor. We'd kind of have a beginning-of-the-day conversation and an end-of-the-day conversation. And, and at the end-of-the-day conversation, the, the, the speaker, the evangelist at the time, was really preaching on this, this passage of God's search, David's prayer of search my heart. And I remember he, it was kind of like, lit a fire under this guy, and he was really pushing. So what he wanted us to do is he wanted us to take a few moments, wanted to take about 15, 20 minutes, and kind of just find a space that was ours. And really, for the first time, for many of us, ask God this question. And I remember as I got alone with God, kind of sat, this is, this, this, this is my prayer. Search me, oh God, know my heart. It's like, okay. And then it was just like in this moment, I was like, okay, God, would you search me? Like, really search me? Would you know my heart? 
know my anxious thoughts, God. Would, and, and the amazing thing about it is when you pray a prayer like this, is God actually answers. And God began to bring up in my life some things that were not great. Some things that were not admirable, some things that were not righteous, some things that were just plain wicked if we want to be real with the word. And, and I was like, but God, why would you bring all this stuff up? And the thing that I know is that when, God, when we open up our lives for God to begin to move in us, what, he will reveal things in our lives that we don't want him to reveal, not because he's cruel or because he's mean, but what he's doing is he is revealing the things that we need to surrender and give to him so that we can have a more intimate, more real, di- deep relationship with him. And, 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 and if there's one thing that I know about my life, and if I can, if I can speak into you about yours, if, if I can just assume, if there's one thing, if you're a follower of Jesus, that we could always do better, that's just being a little bit more dependent on God. Like, I'm a, I'm, I'm a really good communicator. Like, honestly, I'm really good. But it's amazing how on my own strength, like, it's not that great. Really, if we're, if we're being, like, but this dependency to get up 49 to 50 Sundays out of the year and communicate, God, I have nothing but you to depend on. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not funny enough. I'm not intelligent enough to do any of this. And so as I began to pray this prayer, and, and, and all of a sudden God began to reveal, it was like, okay, God, I don't want that in my life. 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 I don't want that, I don't want that to be a part of my character. And one of the big things that God <laughs> revealed about me is, is he said, man, you're, you're here at this camp, and you're at home in your church, and you're at home in your private school, I'm a private school kid, kindergarten through college, and deal with it. Um, but, like, it's, it, you know, and you're, you're, you're at all these places, and you're a fake. Like, I was that kid who wanted to wear Airwalks but bought Skechers. You know what I mean? Like, back in my day, it's like you had to have Airwalks, but I couldn't get Airwalks, so I had to have Skechers, so I was... I w- but I was like, I, I wore the bigger baggy pants so no one could see the S. That was where the A was supposed to be. Like, oh, yeah, they're totally airwalks, totally, totally, totally. You know, and, and God was beginning to reveal, man, dude, you're faking. You're living your life as a fake. And as God has continued to deal with that in my life, as he continues to search my heart and find areas in my life where, man, I'm just faking it. It, it, it. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, he's allowed me to shake it off, to grow more dependent, to grow more intimate with him as, he, as I walk with him. And he continues to reveal, it's just like, okay, God, that's, that, if that's what you're bringing up, I don't want anything. So continue to search me and bring things up that are difficult to bring up. But as you bring them up, God, I'm going to give them back to you. I'm going to submit those things to you. The, the second thing that David prays is, is he says, reveal my fears. Verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Man, what today makes you anxious? What makes you afraid? Now, here's the deal. I'm not talking about, like, snakes or spiders, although those are real. Like, snakes, is, the devil was a snake, so those things fear them. But like, I'm just saying, but like, I'm not talking about that. I'm not even talking about the person you know is behind your shower curtain when you take a shower, but you know you're the only one who's been in your apartment or your house like the entire day, so obviously there's no one there, but you know there's someone there. I do worry about that. 
and I worry that at some point it's going to be one of my kids, and I'm just going to, like, freak out because I'm cocked and ready to go every time. And I know that no one's there, and I'm just, I'm ready every single time. So do not prank me in that way, people. Do not prank me in that way. I'm going to give you warning. We should add that to pre-marriage. Do not do that, because I'm every time. Anyway, um, but really, like, what makes you anxious? What makes you afraid? Is it the idea of not getting married? Is it the idea of being stuck in a bad marriage? Is it rejection? Are you afraid of failure? Are you afraid of success? Are you afraid of actually having the type of intimacy with someone that they know the good and the bad about you? Are you afraid of the unknown? Are you afraid of, of loss? Because here's the one thing I do know, and, and it, it's a good enough thought that I'm going to put it up on the screen. But check this out, guys. Here's the deal. What we fear most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear most reveals where we trust God in, where we trust God the least. Man, the idea of, uh, I mean, this is kind of a theme in our house. Like, we are just, like, anxious about our kids. Are they safe? Are they protected? Are they, are they and it's like all of a sudden, like, I can find myself in this, with this, like, fetal position, not of just worry and fear over, over just, and it's like God's like, but, but here's the deal, dude. Do you trust me with your kids? Steve, do you trust me with Taylor and Addison? Do you trust me with Jen? Because if you trust me, and you know that I'm good, and that you know that I'm your provider, and that you know that, that I, have, uh, you know, I have good and wonderful plans, not just simply for you, but for them, then you would trust me with them. And it's amazing um, how I don't. There's, and here's the deal. There's no great anecdote at the end of that. It's just the fact I just don't. It's something we're working on. Do you worry about God? not having enough financially, not, not trusting that God is your provider. I mean, and, and as again, as I prayed this prayer, going back to high school camp, it, and one of the things, and I'll say for me, again, my, my, real fi- my real fear, it's not that God revealed that I was a fake. That was, that was awesome. That was a wonderful moment at camp. And then all of a sudden, opening up in this idea that I have this innate and horrible, gut-wrenching, life-altering, progress-stopping fear of failure. And I was like, okay, I, I, I fear failure. And here's the deal. If there's anything in my life that I'm a success at, it's only out of response to me failing. Because I don't want to fail. So if anything is, anything is a success, know that it comes with miles of fear attached to it. And so then it goes as God's like, okay, but here's the deal. It's not just failure. I was like, oh, great, there's more. Thanks, God. And he goes, no, it's not just that. And, and, and really, as, as God began to, I, I have a huge, I'm a huge people pleaser. I am so afraid of letting people down that it paralyzes me, the idea that I could let somebody down. And so, okay, God, I, you know, I don't want to be a people. And he goes, no, 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 we're going to go a little bit deeper than that. I was like, come on. And, 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 and really what it got down to is the fact that I am, I am ridiculously afraid of just being inadequate. I am so afraid that people are going to realize that I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not talented enough. 
and that's spiritual enough. I'm so afraid of being inadequate and and what God began to reveal to me in this moment of, of reveal my fears is God saying, hey, here's the deal, Steve, what I want you to do and what we're going to be working on is I want you to love pleasing me more than you're afraid of failing. I want you to be more so in love with pleasing me that the idea of failure doesn't even exist because, because here's what I know about God because of what it says in the scriptures that, in, that there is no fear in love. And that God's love, his perfect love, it casts out all fear. And that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so as God and I are beginning to work on this, as he's searching my heart, as he's revealing my fears, as God and I are continually in this process of, of working out these things, it's like, it's, it's amazing the steps that, that he's taken me on as I just simply was open and available to him just messing me up, praying this dangerous prayer. The third thing David prays is uncover my sins. He says, see if there's any offensive way in me. And the amazing thing about my sin is that I, it's very hard for me to see mine. It's very hard for me to see where I fail. There's, it's so hard for me to see the areas in my life that I fall short in, which is why I, I did the best, worst thing in my life, and I just got guys around me and pastors around me who, who have all access into my life. You know, who we, we, we talk through and, and, and who they see the best and the worst of me. We kind of refer to it as an open fridge policy that they could just walk into my house no matter who they are and just open my fridge and sit down on my couch. It's the type of relationship we have and they see me at my best and they see me at my worst and they see in me the things that are hard for me to see. But because they love me and because they believe in me and because they have my best interest and my family's best interest and this church's best interest at their heart, they're, they're willing to tell me things that I'm not too fond of hearing too often. The fact that I deal with pride, the fact that I, I, I tend to be materialistic, the pride that I deal with a, a lust issue, the fact that I sometimes can fi fall into being a gossip, that I sometimes have a critical spirit, all these different things. And, and it's just so amazing when I give people access to who I am and the things that they see that I can't. To begin, it's, it's so funny that the, the thing that I know about me is that if, when there is an issue, I know it's an issue because it's the thing that I get the most defensive about. Has anybody ever tried to bring something to you? And they've taken a faith step. Like they've put the potential of their relationship on the line. And they're like, hey, I'm just going to use Jamie as an example. Because I'm pretty sure I can beat you in a physical confrontation. Um, but uh, uh, <laughs> but I, uh, Jamie, you know, here's, bro, I, I love you, dude. I love you, Jamie. I, I believe, but... There's just this thing that I've seen kind of creeping up in your life. And, and, dude, here's the deal. It's not good for you. It's not good for your wife. It's not good for the other relationships you have in your life. I think, and, and, and all of a sudden, Jamie gets super defensive. And in being defensive goes on the offensive. You catch what I'm saying with that? And on being defense goes on the offensive. Well, for me, because Jamie doesn't do that, but that's me. Um, but for me... When I know it's an issue, it's because it's it's something I get really defensive about. It's something that I'm still trying to hold on to. It's something, something it's, it's an issue I'm still trying to manage. 
When God's like, no, I don't want you to manage your issues. I want you to have freedom from your issues. I want you to have liberation from your issues. I want you not to be held up by the things, that, the chains that bind you. But, man, I want you to exist in freedom and, 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 and being defensive on things that aren't worth defending. I mean, and how much of my life have I wasted defending things that weren't worth defending that were just simply better submitted? to God, you know? So he says, uncover my sins. When you ask God to do that, he does. And again, not to be mean, not to be cruel, but his desire is that you and I would be so dependent on him that there would be no room in our life for us to be dependent or distracted by anything else. So David prays, Search me. Search my heart. David prays, reveal my fears. David prays, uncover my sins. And the last piece, he says, he says, lead me. He says, see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As God continued in high school, revealed this idea of, of, of me being fake, this, me, this fear of inadequacy, this, this, these things in my life that I defend that have no real need to... Uh, don't deserve the attention of being defended, I, I kind of have come to the conclusion, and again, this feels like, I, f- I really do feel like I should be sitting on a couch in front of you guys most Sundays, because I feel like I'm just like, you're just like getting to know me way more, and if this is your first time, this is how it always is. I'm just going to let you guys know. It's just this awkward all the time, um, but it's like, but it, I feel like I should just be on this couch, and it's like, just and, and what God was teaching me as I was sitting up and I was working on this message and I was just like kind of pouring my heart back out to God. It's like, okay, God, if I'm going I'm to preach this, I want this to be a part of my life. So, and, and again, I searched me. He did. And, 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 and reveal my fear. He does. And, and it's like, no, man, he keeps doing this stuff in my life and he keeps revealing all these things. And, and then he's just like, here's the deal, Steve. This is what I want. And I wrote this. This is what God wants. He, he wants me to be more concerned with him than what other people think about me. And the real, the real reality is I have spent more of my 33 years than I am proud of being more concerned with what people thought of me than what God thought of me. And I think God would say to you this morning, wherever you're at with whatever you're dealing with, would you just quit lying to yourself? Would you just quit to, would you, because here's the deal, denying the truth doesn't, doesn't change the facts, doesn't change the fact that it's truth. Denying truth doesn't, doesn't, doesn't lose its truthfulness. And as, as we begin to pray this prayer, as this becomes a part of our prayer, and here's the deal, the reason it's dangerous is because it's uncomfortable, because it's permeating, because it wrecks you from the inside out. And then again, as we are being wrecked, God is seeing not the wreck, but the person in the perfect position for him to begin to rebuild and repurpose and, 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 and relaunch into existence, into life. And, and, and I think my biggest advice is, is whatever you discover, whatever God reveals as you pray this prayer, know that it is 100% always the reminder that you and I, our greatest need is Jesus. Our greatest need is Jesus. What God reveals, reveals your and my need for Jesus in that area of our lives. It's, it, we're getting so close to Easter. You know, it's just a few weeks away. It's just amazing. And 
And, and here's, here's what I'm learning about Easter. And don't count this as heresy because I'm going to finish the statement. But, like, the fact that Jesus raised, like, awoke from the dead, it's, it's to be honest, it's not impressive. Because Lazarus did it. And, and I, and, and, but, but here's the cool thing about Jesus coming. It's everything that he brought with him. Because when Jesus opened his eyes on the third day, in defiance of hell, and in defiance of sin, and in defiance of brokenness, and in defiance of all the things that bind you and me, what he brings with him is liberation. What he brings with him is freedom. And as we're getting closer to Easter, as, as, as we're, we can't forget this. We can't lose sight of the fact that that our lives need to be searched. That our lives need, uh, that our fears need to be addressed. That our sin needs to be dealt with and that we need to be so dependent on God because if, if, if we're dependent on anything else, it will lead us down the wrong path. I want to invite the worship team up this morning and we're going to continue in worship through communion. Um, as we talk about search me, um, one of the, the key elements about taking communion together is that God calls us to search ourselves, to search our hearts, that we wouldn't take communion in a, in a manner that is unworthy, and so we allow God to search us. And the only thing that we would really ask at Motion City is that uh, you don't have to be a member here. You don't have to be, you could, this could be your first time. All we would ask is that you have a relationship with Jesus to take communion with us. But for the next few moments, what I want us to do is I want us to pray this prayer and then just allow God to search us before we take communion together and really allow God to search us, to reveal to test us and to know our anxious, to see if there's any offensive way in, in, in us. And so if you would just do me a favor, Chelsea, if we, could put, uh, if we could put Psalm 139. And across this place, what I would really appreciate is if we all did this out loud, if you would just pray this prayer with me this morning before we go into a time of reflection, a time of communion, would you just read it with me? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. For the next few moments, let's just wait on the Lord this morning. So at this time, I'm going to invite Andrew to come up, and, and he's going to be just distributing the, the communion elements. Um, scripture says that on the night, on the night Jesus was betrayed, he was sitting with his friends, and, and, and they were kind of having their final conversation. And in the process of that final conversation, the scriptures say that Jesus took bread, and, and it says that he broke the bread, and he began to distribute it, and, as, as, and that wasn't that uncommon. But as, as, um, as they were passing it out, Jesus said something very peculiar. He said, this is my body that's going to be broken for you. And, and, and every time you do this, as Jesus was establishing communion as a part of our, our faith tradition, as he was established, he said, every time you do this, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. And then as, as, as they passed, I can, I can only think about the, kind of the confusion between the disciples and Jesus. And, and then he, begins, he takes a sip of, of the wine and he begins to pass it around. And, the, and then he, and he invites his disciples to drink. And, 
And as they're taking these, these sips, Jesus says, now this is my blood that's going to be poured out for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. When you do this, do this in remembrance of me. I can only imagine the bewilderment that's in the minds and in the eyes of the disciples. Like, wait, so wait, so the broken body, the blood poured out, and it's like, What, what, what Jesus was beginning and orchestrating in this moment was, was not something that we live in remembrance of, but something that you and I live our lives because of, live our lives in response to. Because there's no point in Easter if there's not a Good Friday. There's no point in celebrating a resurrection without first acknowledging that Jesus took our punishment the appropriate response for your sin and for my sin, he took that upon himself and he was nailed to a cross. And that Jesus physically dies. And then three days later, opens his eyes, breathes air again, and by the power of the Holy Spirit stands up, the stone is removed and Jesus is no longer dead, he's alive, and so when Jesus is saying, man, do this in remembrance of me, he's saying, don't just simply remember, but live in response to, live in response to the fact that my body was broken for you, and that my body was broken for your co-workers, and for your families, and for your friends, Live in a response to the fact that my blood wasn't simply poured out for the forgiveness of your sins, but it was, a, it was in forgiveness of the world's sins. It was in response to the sin problem that we deal with that simply as humanity, Jesus said, my blood is being poured out because it's enough to wipe the slate clean of this issue of sin. Don't simply live in remembrance of, live in response to. And so as we take communion this morning, as we are responding, as we remember, and as we respond, Know that we're not responding simply to just broke down religious tradition, but we are responding to a Savior who is alive, who is living, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, and who is still in the process of saving people, and he is using you and me. Our lives are lived in response to that sacrifice, to that gift. And so as, as Andrew and Tim pass the cups out, I'd be looking, hey, how do I do this? There's a light little cellophane covering over the bread. You can open that up. And then just dig a little deeper. And you can get to the, to the juice. But all across this place is, is your opening. Would you just hold the wafer up? Father, we are so grateful that in this moment, we have an opportunity to not just remember, but to live in response to the fact that Jesus, your perfect, sinless body was broken. And in the midst of your body being broken, we could have healing, that we could be restored. So Jesus, we live in response to how grateful we are, God, that, you're, that you sacrificed what was most precious to you. So in this moment, God, we remember and we respond. Let's break the bread together and let's take, let's eat the bread together. And let's hold the cup. Heavenly Father, we are so, once again, so grateful, Jesus, for the blood that you poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Father, I pray for all of us, if, we're, if we are 
in a relationship with you, if we would call ourselves Christians, God, I pray that there would never be a day that goes by that we don't respond and remember, Jesus, the blood that you poured out for us. Jesus, because your blood changes everything. And so, God, in this moment, we, we don't just remember, but once again, we respond to a blood that forgave us of our sins so that we could live in freedom, that we could live in wholeness, that we could be made right in the eyes of God. Father, we are so grateful. Jesus, we're so thankful. Let's take the cup together. Once again, thank you for listening to the Motion City Church podcast. We want to be able to walk with you and beside you as you go throughout life. So if you ever have a need for prayer, we want to be able to pray with you. Please email us at motioncityprayer at gmail.com. We would also love to have you join us in person next week. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at Falwell School of Performing Arts. We hope you have a fantastic week.